Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Merry Christmas, everyone. We want to make a profound connection this Christmas season to the birth of a king in Bethlehem and to the coming of God's kingdom today in our lives. If we don't make that connection, then hell has won. Because I, I promise you that, that all of the darkness is not upset with us celebrating something irrelevant 2,000 years ago that isn't changing us and leading us to be the change in others. But when we make the connection between the birth of a king and the birth of the kingdom, when we realize that the king came to bring his kingdom to the forefront of our lives and to call us out of being passive watchers and being life givers who, who now seek his kingdom with all of our heart and our whole mission on earth is to serve and honor and glorify the king, then hell is threatened and, and the kingdom comes. To be for Jesus is to be about his kingdom. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom. And, and all of his work of making everything right in the world and, and all the rest will be added to you. So then our first priority in life is seeking the kingdom. That's how we celebrate Christmas. That's how Christmas becomes real to each one of us is that we allow the king's kingdom to come inside of us. And today I want to talk very specifically as I challenge you to pay attention to kingdom language in Scripture to, to become a child because Jesus said that's the only way any of us ever enter the kingdom. In Matthew 18, 1, um, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? A very adult thing to do, to establish power, significance, pecking order, uh, to establish who's over who, who's under who, who's in, who's out, uh, who's to be followed, who's not, uh, who is, you know, has the ego large enough to occupy the space. And here's what Jesus said to them. He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said to them, truly I tell you, unless you change, listen to the word change, I'm not asking you to know stuff. <laughs> I'm not asking you to, to merely look at this and do nothing with it. No, you've got to hear this, and it's got to change you, move you. Unless you change and become like little children. Listen to these scary words. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such uh, child in my name welcomes me. Now, now, there are two calls in this passage. We're just going to unpack it quickly. The first is to humble ourselves and become our father's favored child. I didn't say favorite. I said favored. <laughs> and and so, so the, the first call is humble ourselves. Ego's got to die. And, and there's something, I don't know exactly how to explain this best, best but the broken inside of us it's got to break. And, and we got to yield to the Lord. And, and, and then we have to believe that we are 
God's favorite child, and we got to live the rest of our lives becoming that. How far back do we have to go? Well, John 3.3 says that unless you are born again, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's that language again. This, this Bethlehem king is always talking about his kingdom, this invisible kingdom of his. And he said, if you just go along in this world on your own, you're never going to see the, the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. You have to have such a, a, a profound faith encounter with the Son of God that, that your life starts over. And, and again, we're talking about becoming a child. How far back do we have to go? Ladies, do I need to ask you how far back we have to go? Right? How about all the way? How about to the moment uh, of, of the beginning? Unless you change, become like a child. And, and then the second call uh, in this passage, well, the, the first is to start over, right? To, to be loved, which is one of the most difficult things for most of us adults to do. We long for love more than anything else in this world, and yet we are so distrustful um, that it is, it is, there's this barrier in our hearts that just will not believe that God really loves us. We will not let ourselves be loved. But if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, then you have, to, you have to drop your defenses and all your guarded posture, and you have to just let yourself be loved and dare to believe that God created you on purpose, in passion, and, and that you are his favored child. You have to show gratitude like a child. You, you have to be loved. If you've been loved, you will be loved, and you have to live wonder. And there's so many of us here who did not have a childhood per se. Um, you, you uh, many of you had to grow up too soon. Trauma and, and other events, distracted, absent adults did not nurture you, did not pour into you, did not pay attention to you, did not build you up. And you had to grow up too soon. But here's the deal. When you grow up too soon, you lose your kid. You lose your childhood. And although we often praise kids who grew up in a mature, it, it, it doesn't work in the spiritual realm. It doesn't work in the, the, the natural realm either. Imagine a little tree or a plant that I want to grow. So I'm going to take this little flower and I'm going to stretch on it. It doesn't work. And so the biggest challenge for many of us here this Christmas season to enter the kingdom is to learn to become a child again. And to learn wonder and to live play and to believe we're loved and then to be loved. The second call in this passage is to value children as you value Jesus. He said very, very clearly, um, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Value children as you value Jesus. See value in kids. Um, See Jesus in kids. Every one of them is God's infinite creation. They have infinite worth. Um, I, I talked to a man uh, just recently who was homeless from 15 to 18, and there were no adults in his life who even noticed him. I cannot imagine being actually homeless in those years. And I know that he had to be walking through life with other adults seeing him, but they didn't see him. And, 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 and we are so busy doing stuff that's not going to matter in a hundred years. God said, stop doing your dumb adult stuff. Become a child and see children. And in them, see my value. In them, see me. So, so we are to see children and we are to show them uh, Jesus and show them their value. We are to build them up. We are to pay attention. This is our call. This is our call. 
And so what I'm calling you to do today is to become the peaceful, joyful child of a perfect and loving father. This is Christmas in a nutshell. This is the whole coming of the king to bring his kingdom. This is how we enter the king, is we become the peaceful, joyful children of a perfect and loving father. I want to unpack those words really carefully, really quickly, because they all matter, and, and they're not just words. They, they can be a reality in our lives, to, to say that we're, we're peaceful. Um, this is the message of Christmas. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, for, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will rest on his shoulders. This is the kingdom, uh, God's governance. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, uh, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of peace. Take a deep breath, everybody, right now, this Christmas season. Then it's not Christmas Eve. You've got plenty of time to do your shopping. Very few of us here honestly know peace. And I'm first among us. But, but this is what the kingdom is and the king came to bring. Luke 2.14 says, glory to God in the highest and on and, and peace on earth to those on whom God is pleased, to whom his favor rests. So the kingdom of God is all about peace. It just is. That joyful. Luke 2.10 says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. This is the message of Christmas, is that there's joy. Um, uh, you know, 1 Peter 1.8 says, you love him even though you've never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. This is a reality, or it can be. The, the perfect word. James 1.17 uh, says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. And there's no shadow of turning him. God is the perfect Father. Psalm 1830 says, God's way is perfect and all the Lord's promises prove true. So you can trust him. He's a shield to all who look to him for, for protection. And then the word loving. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If we live our lives on our own, we are dying after we're born and then we die for eternity. But if we are born once and we live and we wake up to love and we believe in Jesus, then we are born again and we live for eternity. That's the message in a nutshell. So again, I want to say that, that this Christmas, uh, the invitation of Matthew 18, 1 through 5 about the kingdom is to become the peaceful, joyful child of a perfect and loving father. And I want to explain to you how this puzzle fits together right now in these moments. The, the peaceful part. Um, it only comes from you and I trusting and believing that, that our Father is perfect. And all of the lack of peace in my life is because I don't believe my Father is perfect. Um, and, and the more that you trust that you have a perfect Father, I, just say that with me, I have a perfect Father. Ready? I have a perfect Father. You do. And when you believe that and rest in it, you have peace. The joy comes from being loved. And when you and I begin to dare to believe that God is so great that he could love us and that he actually does, he will never love us more, has never loved us less, that, that we then begin to experience the joy of being loved. 
Trusting God's perfection as a father brings peace. Experiencing God's love by faith brings joy. And if you want peace, then you trust his perfection. And if you want joy, you trust his love. The call of Matthew 18, 1 through 5 is to reject every fallen trait of adulthood. All our cynicism, all our criticism, all our woundedness, all our judgments of others, all our insecurity... And all of our bitterness, all of that adult stuff has got to go. And you have to change and become like a child. Some of you right now are, are saying, this, this is like really shallow theology. And I just want to say, if you're thinking that right now, there's a bald, skinny, tall guy in front of you who is just going to say, I couldn't disagree with you more. All of the revelation of God is about him being father. That's his chosen um, way to be known. It is his chosen path of, of relationship. And it is the deepest theology in all of Scripture that God wants you to be his child. And so all of the depths of understanding of the theology describing God as Father in Scripture lies beneath our call to become children who values other children. And if you do not pay attention to the theology of you becoming a child, you will never understand God as Father. It'll all be abstraction. It'll all be Bethlehem 2,000 years ago and no kingdom come today. Matthew 18, 1 through 5 comes to life when you and I can personally say for ourselves, I am the peaceful, joyful child of a perfect and a loving Father. I am the peaceful, joyful child of an absolutely perfect and loving Father. And I want you to say that with me. For some of you, it may not be true yet, but it can be. And I want you to hear yourself saying it because you're speaking the truth. So let's say it together. I am the peaceful, joyful child of a perfect and loving Father. And as a child of great value, I will place great value on kids. That's when this kingdom thing comes home. When we become kids and are changed and we see God's other kids as of infinite worth. So I want you to say that with me as well. As a child of great value, I'll place great value on kids. And that's the call of the kingdom of God. So I'm the kids leader, and because of that, I got to be a part of all of the rehearsals that the kids were working so hard at these last couple weeks. And when Patrice, our worship leader, sat down with me and she shared her vision for today, she was like, Allison, we're going to do this Charlie Brown Christmas thing. There'll be the adult choir, the kids choir, and, and shepherds, and angels, and, and wise, wise people. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Where were all the wise women in the story? I mean, because surely they were there because obviously the words wise and women, they go together. <laughs> so then I thought, well, okay, maybe the wise women, they just got to the manger before those wise men did because they stopped and asked some shepherd lady for directions. <laughs> so by the time the wise men rolled up, the wise women were already gone, and so therefore, they just missed the nativity scene group photo. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here with you today. 
I'm so excited that I want to I wanna tell you something that happened to me at the grocery store. So I was at the grocery store. It was about 8 o'clock at night because life hack, the best time to go to the grocery store is at night. And I was in the, I don't know, the, the chicken aisle or the place where they, they put all the chicken. And I was getting one of those Ziploc, not, not Ziploc, one of the bag things because someone decided you have to put the chicken in the bag before you put it in your cart. I don't know. So I was getting the, the plastic bag thing. And then I, I turn and I hear, our God is so big. Our God is so strong and so mighty. There's nothing he cannot do. I look over and I see two kids, a brother and a sister, no more than five years old. Brother was, was standing in the big part of the cart and sister was marching alongside him. And they were saying, our God is so big. Our God is so strong and so mighty. There's nothing he cannot do. And I go over to them and I go, friends, because, because when you work in children's ministry, just everyone's a friend. So you're like, friends, you sound awesome. And then mom came over and she was like, they just love singing the songs that they learn at church. Guys, they were singing those songs because someone answered the call that God put on their heart. And because someone answered that call and stepped down in faith, God used them to light a fire in those kids' hearts. A fire that was so strong that they felt compelled to sing about their Lord and their Savior in the middle of the grocery store. That person was living out Matthew 18, 5, where Jesus says, anyone who welcomes a child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. I need to tell you that I used to tell people that taking care of other people's kids was not my spiritual gift. And the truth is, it's still not my spiritual gift because that's what we, as a kids ministry, we don't do that. We do not exist to be a place where parents drop off their kids so they can come sit in the worship center. In Matthew 19, 13, I mean, maybe in 18, the, the disciples, just, they just didn't get it yet. So in 19, he says, some children were brought by their parents to Jesus so, they could lay, so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. The disciples told them, do not bother him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he put his hand on their heads, and he blessed them before he left. You want to know, Jesus? Come hang out with the kids. Our kids' ministry exists to do more than babysit. We are living out 18.5, Matthew 18.5. Friends, before each service, we meet to pray. We meet to pray for you, for our children, for each other, and for God to move and for God to speak during the time that we have them. We are also showing our children about integral missions. Because if we don't show them when they're young, then we can only hope that someone's going to show them when they're older. Did you know that two-year-olds can do integral missions? Yep. They can and they have. Last summer, our preschoolers, they made Father's Day cards that we then took to a local nursing home and gave to residents that maybe they didn't get to see their kids on Father's Day. And our elementary school kids that are upstairs, our uptown crew, they had a goal. They wanted to pay for our winter relief guests to have a Chinese dinner. They decided they needed to raise $800. Do you want to know how much they raised? 
$895. And I just got to say one more thing. Last summer, Vacation Bible School, at least that we know of, 28 children accepted Jesus as their Savior. I should tell you that for this next thing I want to tell you, I, I was going to draw this big detailed picture, but it wouldn't compare to what Pastor Drew can draw. So I'm going to try and show you a, a physical display. So this kids choir today, that's just the tip of the iceberg of where we're going for 2020. We're going to be expanding our kids ministry. So, so let's, say, let's say six, eight years ago, we, we started here. We were here. And, you know, some of you were, were with us when that was then or whatever. Just follow me. We started here. And then we started moving. You started moving forward. You started trying different things. And then maybe, maybe you got to here. Maybe this is where we are today. And we're going to look back and we're going to say, look how far God has brought us. But we're also going to look forward. And we're going to start trying new things. And we're going to do different things. And we're going to expand and grow. And we're going we're gonna to be where God wants us to be but we're still going to celebrate the progress along the way. And I want to tell you that we are moving forward with starting our special friends ministry. We've been able to link arms with an organization called the Banquet Network. They exist to go into churches and to show you how to create a special friends ministry. We're also starting a parents Facebook group. You can go on Facebook now, Parents at Severn Run, and you can join come say hello. And again, on December 21st, you're going to have an opportunity to not only come in here and watch a Christmas movie or two, but to say hi and to connect with me because, because I don't hear from enough of you and I want to hear from you because I am here for you. I plan for this to be part of my message where I invite you to join our kids' ministry. And you'd most likely respond in one or two ways. The first, by going through a list of excuses in your head as to why you just can't get involved. Or maybe, just maybe, you would be one of the ones that would step forward and say, here I am, use me. But I'm not going to do that. Because most likely, that's just going to be white noise. I'm going to be a little bold with you. If you have a child, if you know a child, if you know someone who has a child, then you are called to support our kids' ministry. Hi, my name is Allison. I have two children. Now you all qualify. You're welcome. Our kids need you. Our kids need you to recognize that we are not saved to sit. We aren't here to sit and enjoy the music and listen to a sermon and then walk out of here having checked a box off and claimed that I'm a good person because I went to church and threw a few dollars in the offering basket and I'm going to call it a day. Nine days from now will be Christmas Eve. Many of us will gather together in this room and we will celebrate the birth of our Savior. God decided to send his son to this earth as a child. He didn't send some 20-year-old man. I believe there has to be a significance of him sending us a baby. He used a child to get our attention. God is calling us to something. He's calling us to say yes. I'm asking us to lay down our excuses. We both know we can do something. 
Nobody had a better excuse than this girl right here. But I want to tell you that God used serving in our kids' ministry to save me. Serving in our kids' ministry saved me from a life of hopelessness, anxiety, and it gave me a purpose. Two years ago, I was lost. Two years ago, I was convinced that joy wasn't for me. I told God he had chosen the wrong girl to give all these storms to. Well, friends, God doesn't make mistakes. Here's the truth. Satan doesn't like this. He doesn't like that our kids are going to be loved on and encouraged and kept out of his ugly darkness. And he is mad. So I say let's rally together and tell Satan to go back to where he came from. Because we are going to show our children that we are called to lift them up, to speak love to them, and to raise disciples. So how do we do that? It starts with you. It starts with you making the decision to stop allowing yourselves to be held back by your excuses. Let's stop being held back by our excuses. 1 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give you a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, of love, and of sound mind. That timidness that you feel right now, that timidity that you feel, that's not from God. There's a famous quote that reads, A ship in a harbor is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. We were made for more. We were made for more than our excuses. We have a card in your seat. It's your invitation to a party of a lifetime. This is your invitation to stop sitting in your excuses. This is your invitation to do like it says in Matthew 18 and welcome the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to ask you to take a few minutes and look over your card. You'll see at the top, it reads, I'm going to stop using my excuses and pray for our kids' ministry. That's your first option. The other is I'm going to join the party and start serving with them. And the third is I want to talk about how I can use my talents, my gifts, and my resources to grow our kids' ministry. Okay, so what do those mean? Committing to pray. I feel like we can all do that. But I don't want you to check that one as a, as a backup plan to what God's really calling you to do. Like, I'll, I'll just pray. I can pray for it, God. I'm not, I'm not really going to listen to what you want me to do. Just sign me up to pray. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just, that's how my, my, my mind works sometimes. The second is joining the party. I promise you it'll be a party. Come join us as we speak love and life and encouragement into our kids. And don't be concerned about how little you know. Kids don't care. They care about how much you know about them. And if any kid asks you for your take on Paul's theology, well, come let me know because I want to know what you tell him. <laughs> and our third option is to use your talents, your gifts, and your resources. Okay, so what does that mean? If you have a talent, let's say you are skilled at painting. Could you do a family paint night? Can you, can you sing and play guitar? Could you do a family worship night? Okay, so that's using your gifts and talents. Let's talk about resources. And I'm going to try and be very, very clear, the clearest way I can to explain this. Here's the deal. When you give your tithe each month, you're giving to the kingdom. You're helping to grow the kingdom. There are some really exciting things that I hope to make happen next year for our kids, but we can't do them if we don't have the funds. We want to completely redo our classrooms as well as the big room upstairs. We want to add to our, our kids' atrium. 
And we want to do something better than putting stickers on the walls in the preschool hallway. Can, can somebody just help with that? Just, there you go. We can't do it without you. Those kids in the grocery store, they were singing because God had done something in their lives. Let's start saying yes to God so that more kids will be shouting and singing about their Savior. So what are you going to do? Are you going to keep saying no? Start saying yes. I'm asking you not to walk out those doors having checked a box, but to walk out knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have said yes to the thing that God is asking you to do. I'm going to give you a few minutes to fill out your card. I'm going to pray for us. But first, just, just come up and lay it on the step. On the, I keep saying steps. I feel like there should really be steps right there. Just lay it on the stage. No one's looking at you. No, one, no one's thinking anything of it. Just come up and lay it down after you've filled it out. I'm going to pray for us. And, and if you need a little bit more time, you can still come up during the next song. It's okay. All right. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for what you're going to do in here. I thank you that, that we don't need to listen to any other voices of this world, that we need to listen to your voice. Lord, I pray that you would give us courage to listen to your voice today. Give us boldness, Lord. Make us brave. I pray this in your name. Amen. You really can't come up here. It's okay. If, if nobody comes up here, I'm going to start crying. Please don't make me cry. I will cry. Thank you. Okay. I feel better. I'm going to I'm going to close this out a little bit as you're still responding. Feel free to still come up. Friends, if God would have given me what I wanted, then I wouldn't be here today. I would be in Korea with two normally functioning children. But God doesn't always give us what we want, does he? Two years ago in December, I was in this very room. And after a worship service, there was a song playing from the tech booth off of their Spotify, Spotify list for the day. I was about a month in to trying to accept my son's autism diagnosis and the fate of my husband leaving to go halfway around the world in six months. The song that was playing in the faint background was called Noel. It wasn't the normal hymn that I grew up with. This one was a newer version. It was sung by Lauren Daigle. And the words that, that stopped me in my tracks were, Noel, Noel, come and see what God has done. And it was at that very moment that God began to do a work in me. He began to give me hope with those words. And honestly, at the time, I thought that hope meant that, that one day I would come and I would say, look what God has done. My son can speak now. But he hasn't done that yet. And instead, God did a work in my life because I put aside my excuses, my doubts, and my fears, and I trusted in this crazy calling at the most inconvenient time of my life. I want to read you something that I wrote after I heard that song. It goes like this. I have no idea what the future will hold, but I do know that I will proudly own my own brokenness in hopes that one day I too will loudly proclaim, come and see what God has done. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, 
Live Jesus and Believe Big.